from the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School. This is Marketing Matters on Business Radio. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and of course, marketing students of all ages, welcome to the program. First, the name, Professor America Street. Second, the game is, of course, marketing as in segmentation, targeting, positioning, and messaging to your customers, listeners. You are to be saluted on a daily basis, baby, please. Sirius XM Channel 132 Business Radio, powered by the Warren School. I'm your host, Professor America Street. Yep, and they call me the hip-hop prof, the czar of the M-A-R, the militant poet, the muscular microphone hustler. And I am excited today because we are going to have an amazing show. Uh, this is, of course, Marketing Matters, and this is business radio powered by the Warren School. So, of course, we've got several ways to reach out and talk to your boy today. I am hosting the show solo because my co-host Barbara Khan is actually at MBA Convocation Day, welcoming the new thousand students to the Wharton School. So I'll be hosting the show today. Follow me on Twitter at A-M-R-E-E-D-2. And you have to catch this now because we are excited to be back in the studio. We are the first collegiate business school on the planet. In 1881, we were founded and we, of course, had to create a radio program to bring the knowledge directly to the people. The show is called Marketing Matters. We air live every Wednesday from 5 to 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And we've got a great show lined up for you this week. Now, of course, you can call in and talk to the hip hop prof at any time at 1 844 Wharton. That's 1 844 942 7866. I hope you will join the conversation and jump into this amazing show we've got this week. We've got Hit or Miss with our good friend Peter Adams, who is senior reporter for Marketing Dive. And we have for the second part of the show, a spotlight segment. It's going to be unbelievable. We will have Danielle Lavona, Chief Marketing Officer for Bloomin' Brands, which owns the Outback Steakhouse, Carabas Italian Grill, Bonefish Grill, Fleming's Prime Steakhouse and Wine Bar, and Tender Shack Concepts. But before we play Marketing Hit or Miss of the Week, let me introduce our first guest, friend of the Warren School, and always a joy to have him here on the program. This is Peter Adams, Senior Reporter for Marketing Dive. Peter, thanks for joining me today. Uh, thank you so much for the introduction and for having me, Americus. Excellent. It's always great to have you back. And of course, we are super excited because this is our favorite part of the segment. Hit. Bullseye. Or miss. Just a bit outside. And the way this game works is that we, Peter and myself, are going to discuss several events, things, situations that have been happening in the news related to marketing. And we are going to ask ourselves, is this a hit? Or is this a miss? So, Peter, do you have something that you would like to jump into before we actually get rolling here? Uh, sure. In terms of uh, listing off a hit or a miss for the week? Yeah. Uh, in terms of a hit, uh, I, uh, I don't know if we discussed this before, but uh, Miller High Life, the, uh, sh the so-called champagne of beers, uh, is introducing a new product with a boozy ice cream company called Tipsy Scoop mm. that are kind of like a, a summer ice cream bar that's meant to evoke the flavors of a dive bar. Oh, uh, interesting. Sounds kind of gross on paper, but <laughs> once you uh, <laughs> once you dig into the, the details of it, it's got uh, peanut flavoring and a couple other oh. uh, like bar peanuts. Um, and on top of that, it is uh, boozy, 5% ABV, so you can enjoy a cold, 
uh, cold treat in the August month. And, so I got to uh, ask you this, Peter. If, yeah. if you're drinking this and publicly displaying this, what are you saying about yourself? What What is the identity you are portraying in this? Well, it's an actual ice cream bar. So it's beer-infused ice cream. Wow. Uh, there you go. I think the, the identity is uh, you, you like to have fun, but maybe not broadcast it so loudly. Interesting. Uh, interesting. You could probably sneak these into a few venues that wouldn't normally allow alcohol. Oh, so interesting. It'll be like a badge of honor to be able to get a, <laughs> to get this beer sickle, if you will, yeah. uh, <laughs> into the game. That's really, really interesting. We're seeing a lot of like co-branding kinds of things, Peter, right? I mean, this is kind of – I mean – Brands are like trying to figure out who to partner with, right? Are you seeing a lot of this in terms of the stories that you're covering? Yeah, and uh, you know Miller in particular, or, or its parent company Molson Coors at least, um, has been very active in this uh, partnership game. Uh, you know, there's a few different reasons brands will do stuff like this. Um, you know, sometimes it's a data collection thing. You know, brands figure they can work with uh, complementary companies mm -hmm. and uh, get stronger data sets that way if they're looking to, to better target their campaigns or something like that. Um, you know, in the case of, you know, Miller, I think uh, these kind of product innovation ideas is a, is a good way to win favor with, uh, you know, young consumer groups mm -hmm. that are looking mm -hmm. for sort of fun spins, uh, maybe a little bit of a nostalgic childhood play if you used to go to the ice cream truck and mm. get you know, your Klondike bars or whatever. Ah, your Choco you Tacos, know. which you your cannot Choco find tacos. anymore. There you go. <laughs> That's right. I, who knows? Our, this could be, a, yeah, the, the silver lining for that because maybe this gives them a little, like, uh, media boost is, you know, people are uh, thinking a lot about, you know, those those things, uh, Choco Taco being discontinued and stuff like that. Maybe this gives them a little boost. But, yeah, uh, Miller High Life previously collaborated with the Thai Bar, uh, right. which is like a D2C wedding company on some formal wear. So, uh, definitely a trend that we've seen in the mix in recent months. Super interesting. Well, I want to jump in as well because I want to throw something out there and get your take on this, uh, Peter, as well. Uh, so I was reading recently. So this is interesting because, you know, I, I've been on Uber and I've been Ubering back to work. We were having this conversation before we jumped on the air, Peter. Yeah. And uh, the last, I would say the last 10 Ubers I've taken, I've requested an electric car and they've all been Teslas. OK, so it's really interesting because I'm doing like a little informal survey of Tesla owners. And it turns out, you know, they just speak so highly of Elon Musk, which is not that surprising. But okay. it, it relates to a, a specific story that I saw um, earlier this week about Tesla opening up these sort of informal mobile uh, customer experience shops uh, at the supercharger stations. And the idea is it's completely unmanned. You basically enter this retail experience vis-a-vis -vis the phone. You're given a code, and you can go in, and you can play games. You can get coffee. You can buy stuff. It's kind of like that, the Amazon sort of model of you shop, and you just get stuff. And it's really interesting, these, these mobile cubes, if you will, because in my view, it's like it's kind of an interesting way to like again create the brand and have the brand be living and breathing outside of the actual EV. And so, from my perspective, it's like that's really interesting because it's it's an opportunity to create more branding opportunity, more retail customer experience opportunity, and to reinforce this Tesla sort of word of mouth conversation. What do you think about that? I, I would say that that's a hit. What, what are your thoughts on that, Peter? I do think that's interesting as well. And anecdotally, too, um, have recently done some car rentals for uh, travel for the recent holidays, Memorial Day and July 4th weekend, have also gone electric and uh, both times have been in Teslas. 
Uh, and yeah, those charging stations, uh, trying to build a community element or perks around them mm-hmm. um, is interesting to me. You know, Tesla doesn't do any t- sort of traditional brand advertising or marketing, but they do have, as you noted, the kind of Elon Musk cult. Uh, their, their owners are diehard fans of either him or the brand, both in most cases. Um, and yeah, having those sort of uh, catered uh, premium experiences using charging stations where you usually stop for, you know, a half hour or so mm-hmm. uh, to, to commiserate or just have something to do does seem like a way to sort of reinforce loyalty, uh, especially among uh, potential newcomers. It'd also be interesting to see if Tesla does eventually just kind of try out more, uh, more marketing plays like that, more yeah. experiential stuff. Yeah. Uh, you know, they are facing more competition on the EV front. Um, and I do wonder if eventually they'll have to drop their whole, we let the brand sell itself. Yeah, that's what's really interesting to me, Peter, because it's like so far, to your point, it's been that Tesla has really been, basically the marketing vehicle is Elon Musk on Twitter. Right. And basically, you know, talking about stuff and sort of, and so, but it's been remarkable that just the extent to which the lack of sort of traditional advertising uh, has not gotten in the way of people being willing to put the money down and wait to get this thing. And and I, I got to say, the, the when I was sitting in the – I was literally talking to this particular driver in my Uber, Peter, and he's like literally – he's pointing to the to the car. He's showing me the car, and he's pointing to like the, the – there's just like this wood panel on the, on the front of the car. It's like this really cheap panel, and he's like, man, this is like super cheap. And it's like very poorly made, but it's not meant to be. It turns out that you don't need this to be. I mean, he's like rationalizing the whole thing in his head. I thought it was like completely fascinating. It's like you're telling me that your car is super cheap and not made with good quality, but you love it. <laughs> you know, it's like it's the vision. It's like I can pull up to one of these cubes and charge and talk to other people who love Tesla. Right, Peter? Yeah, it is. You know, that is a. Uh, uh, it's a fascinating point. Uh, people do seem to have the blinders on when it comes to any sort of criticisms of Musk or Tesla product. Uh, you know, that's not the first time I've heard people say that some of the manufacturing is maybe not up to what you would expect for a premium brand. But, um, you know, to their credit, they were very early in the EV space that has only continued to gain more traction. In a lot of cases, they're the most readily available option at a at a more premium price point for that stuff. So, um, you know, it, it, when he says it's about the vision, it's not about the construction. You know, if you really believe in <laughs> EV, you know, maybe that is it. Maybe um, that and is they've it. got the the charging network is very convenient. Yes. Uh, compared to some of the other stuff. So, uh, yeah, no, the, the, the Tesla story will be interesting to see how it changes. And, you know, you mentioned Musk does a lot of the marketing guerrilla style marketing through Twitter. And he obviously has his own uh, issues related to that platform specifically. So, uh, yeah. Totally cool. Uh, listeners, if you just join us, we are speaking with Peter Adams, a senior reporter for Marketing Dive. He is the guru who steps in and talks to us about all kinds of cool stuff that's going on from a journalistic perspective in the world of marketing. We are currently discussing various hits or misses in the marketing world. Peter, do you have any other examples that you'd like to share with us? Um, this is sort of a miss, and I know we kind of flagged this for just kind of a general you know, news uh, point of interest, but you know, uh, uh, Walmart Plus, uh, ah. the, the membership program of Walmart, uh, it was reported last week that they were seeking uh, a, a streaming partner to bolster 
their service and, and okay i gotta ask you service. peter do you have walmart yeah. plus do you what do you, okay i you, you just blew my mind like walmart plus plus what plus cheap i mean what is this like what are you you know what i mean because i know netflix i know hulu i know some of the you know the usual suspects but walmart what are they doing that's in the space that is establishing themselves before you even jump into the notion of finding a partner yeah, so it's interesting that uh, you know the the lack of familiarity with Walmart Plus is maybe a a, a sort of interesting touching off point. Um, you know, it's it's their prime competitor. Uh, they launched it in 2020, I think in September, and you know it is their answer to Amazon Prime. It is an e-commerce marketplace, but it's more than that. It's got uh, all sorts of perks attached to it. You mm. know, free shipping type of stuff, uh, trials to Spotify Premium. Right now, they're really oh, pushing uh, fuel discounts you can get through it. You think about like the inflation trend line right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, they've never shared how many people actually use it. Um, <laughs> and so you not knowing or, or, you know, maybe some of the listeners not knowing what it is, is potentially a, a brand problem for them. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, the issue is, is like we're kind of talking, you know, we talked about, you know, Tesla's first EVs. They have so much brand loyalty. They have so much adoption compared to other players in the market, you think about Amazon, mm. people know Amazon's an e-commerce marketplace. They know what you get there. But Amazon also has, you know, uh, basically its own in-house movie and TV studio. Oh, it has all right. these, right. Um, you know, additional things people like when I go on Amazon, I'm not, you know, I'd say maybe sometimes I'm shopping, but a lot of times <laughs> I go on, you know, you go on Prime Video, you watch The Boys yes. or Marvelous Mrs. Maisel or something like it is a destination <laughs> Beyond shopping and browsing for products, I don't think Walmart Plus is that yet. Because what do you go there to do? Right. Um, so the idea is getting back to you know the 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 news peg is uh, they've been seeking a streaming partner to change that narrative maybe a little bit, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. and they've picked Paramount uh, and Paramount Plus as their as their big. Can draw. I just ask a question, Peter? Like, why is everybody Plus? Can somebody just please in marketing? You know, I mean, in marketing, we 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 have this term called differentiation, which is to like add some value to try to be a little bit different. Why is everybody Plus? I mean, is this just the standard? I mean, what's going on there? Who knows? Because uh, <laughs> Disney Plus is successful. It is really annoying. I can tell you. I can tell you from. Um, you know, like a copy perspective, uh, you know, or an email newsletter and seeing plus, plus, plus everything <laughs> next to each other is a headache to read. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, and it is deeply, it's it's unoriginal. I mean, uh, there's any number of plus services now. Right, uh, right. I think in the case of something like these platforms that are trying to prove their worth, uh, uh, trying a different point of differentiation, as you said, would be really useful so it doesn't get kind of lost in the shuffle there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people might not be familiar with Walmart Plus, and when they hear Walmart Plus, it's not really communicating exactly what it is. Exactly. Uh, very, very interesting stuff here. So help me understand, because you have dived into this, Peter. Help me understand why Paramount. Why Paramount Plus plus Walmart Plus equals synergy. Yes, sure. <laughs> equals more membership growth. That's right. Um, and money out of my pocket, for Christ's sake. So, I mean, Paramount Plus is... Um, you know, it doesn't command the level of discussion that your your Netflix or the Disney Pluses of the world do. You know, Disney across its streaming properties now has uh, more subscribers than Netflix. Yes. You know, they're they're in the hundreds of millions of subscribers. Yes. Um, Paramount and the, Plus. And just, some- to, and just to interrupt quickly, quickly, Peter. I mean, I, one of the things about Disney is because I was just at Disney with my eleven uh, year old. 
and it's basically a cash grab, man. I mean, my pockets were just open the whole time. And it's beautiful because it's to your point, Peter, they have so much intellectual property to monetize that it's yeah. all flowing back to this this sort of gravitational pull to the Disney Plus, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, if Disney has a strength, it's the IP stuff. I mean, they, they talk about it all the time. Think about if you want to be caught up on Marvel, Star Wars, anything, that's that's the destination for it. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of the Walmart and Paramount partnership, you know, they also got a little bit into that. I think Walmart was going, not that Disney isn't family friendly, but, um, uh, you know, so the, some of the franchises they called out as being important to the partnership mm. uh like paramount has the rights to paw patrol which mm. is really popular with preschoolers oh interesting um you know oh. and in terms of just kind of all ages stuff you know they have uh cbs uh so nfl broadcasts on cbs are part of the package gotcha uh, there's a kind of general a more general appeal interesting uh, a wide a wide appeal that goes beyond just you know ip mm-hmm. um not to say that disney doesn't have that as well but again thinking about why they've said that the partnership makes sense that's one of the big justifications it's just broad mm-hmm. broad appeal interesting thing who and shops at walmart the most families yeah so. yeah yeah that i mean that's starting that's actually starting to make a lot of sense i just wonder though you know the streaming wars peter because at some point you know you're going to run out of of cognitive energy to deploy towards these things and you're going to end up with a smaller set right i mean you're not going to take on 15 of these different streaming uh, services so there must be a sort of game theoretic sort of competitive strategy playing out here amongst these players that they're thinking about you know i need to end up in that set of two or three of these that you know eventually ends up being the ones that really really stick right i think that's also the argument that walmart is trying to make um so they're bundling in the Paramount Plus subscription into Walmart Plus. So instead of paying five bucks a month for another streaming service and 13 bucks a month for Walmart, mm. um, you get both for the price of the Walmart subscription. Gotcha. Um, subscription fatigue is definitely a real thing. Mm. Uh, but people bucket it out differently. You know, if they're paying for Walmart Plus, maybe they don't pay for Prime, but they probably do have some sort of e commerce plan they use. Um, and if you could say, hey, well, you could also have this pretty expansive streaming offering with that, you know, people who are looking to maybe save a little while also having uh, that, that extra content add on, they'd find value in that. Interesting. OK, so this is fascinating to me, Peter, because in some of the work that we were looking at prior to the show, and I have to just, you know, come out and say this because I, I was shocked by this. I, I was looking at the story of influencers. Mm-hmm. And, you know, some of the work that you were and colleagues have done. And I just I was just shocked. OK, so I'm a digital uh, immigrant. OK, so I'm learning TikTok. I'm learning about NFTs, all this crypto stuff. I'm learning this. And I did not realize that there is this this made up influencer. I mean, this is shocking to me. A made up. It's not real. It's not. OK, it's, it's, it's not a <laughs> hard physical, to describe. It's hard to yeah. describe. It isn't real. And I'm like, okay, this is BS, right? So I jump over to the Twitter page or the Instagram page, I think, and it's like three million followers. And I'm like reading the posts. People are talking to this character like it's a real human. Talk a little bit about this uh, this world of like non-real influencers that are digital characters partnering with brands. This makes no sense to me. Help me understand it. Yeah, so uh, 
the the virtual influencer trend seems to be as you kind of noted the you know gaining traction the the the, the account you were referencing is uh, called Michaela Mika- okay uh, can i just say Michaela i mean seriously <laughs> like how was this do you have information on how this got dreamt up how do you get how did Michaela get 3 million followers i'm trying to I get mean, to 1000 i can't, what's going on here and i'm a real I mean, human. i'm a flesh and blood peter help me out sure. here <laughs> I mean, uh, uh, it's it is an interesting story. I mean, it, it, so so Michaela has been around since 2016, so it's not like an overnight success. Uh, she or you know the, the 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 avatar was created by this company called Brud, which at the time had, drew a lot of skepticism. You know, it's obviously kind of an eerie, arguably <laughs> a little bit of a dystopian concept. You know, completely yes. virtual yes. being. Um, but to Brud's credit, uh, it is something that has only become kind of a more common, you know, you think about how big the conversation around like the metaverse is, mm. um, you know, this is a very metaverse prototype idea. And how, how do you say this, this influencer's name again, Peter? I think it's Michaela. Michaela. Listeners, do you know Michaela? If you're following Michaela, I want you to call in and tell me why in the hell you are following Michaela, one eight four four nine four two seven eight six six. 942 Do you have a perspective on this, listeners? Are you following an influencer that's not real, uh, that's different from Michaela? Or perhaps that is Michaela. Please give us a call. Let us know. one eight four four nine four two seven eight six six. Peter, this is remarkable to me. I mean, talk us through what. how's this going to help a brand to partner with something that's not real? Is wh- How does this make any sort of sense whatsoever? You tell me. Please educate me. Well, as you noted, uh, the account does have a pretty big following. It's uh, 3 million on Instagram and over 3 million on TikTok. Wow. In terms of why people follow it, I mean, I think it's, you know, uh, you, you, you've had a strong reaction to it. I think people <laughs> kind of like uh, the novelty. They may be like kind of gawking mm-hmm. at oh. it. It, 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 is, it is a strange phenomenon. Um, and uh, it is one of those things where I do wonder, you know, how much uh it's just a sheer force of will thing like it's the product of uh uh, they build themselves as a trans media company like they do more they do across platforms channels whatever Mm -hmm. and uh, brand partnerships are always going to be a factor in this i feel like like they don't you don't come up with an idea like this without monetizing it interesting Um, right 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 and initially the partnerships around Michaela in particular have focused very much on the high-end luxury market. Okay, interesting. So is, um, so from, is she a high-end character? Is that her persona? Well, this is one of the, or the their things persona, about it. I guess I should say. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, I, I think the luxury market likes being to things that are new mm. uh, and different um, and being able to, in a press release, say, uh, our newest model isn't real, you know, that's the type of thing where people go, huh? Like what? You know, uh, <laughs> I want to learn yeah. more. Right, 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 right. Um, uh-huh. The most recent partnership, and the reason why we're talking about Michaela is right now, she's partnered with uh, Paxson, mm. which is um, you know mall retailer, mall retailer, uh, mm-hmm. but very targeted at young kids. You know, I grew up Paxson. You know, it was the skate skate. We, 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 if you were like a skater, you'd go to Paxson. Mm, got um, it. Mm-hmm. But they've expanded as streetwear has become kind of a, a more mainstream uh trend you know they've they've expanded a lot and they're and they're very gen z uh oriented got it. um and i think they see all the buzz around the metaverse and the metaverse say, i see web 3.0 yeah that they kind say, of well, stuff this, yeah this aligns with that so 
you know, uh, if people are going to be spending all these time, all this time, uh, ostensibly buying things in digital worlds or video games or whatever, you know, this, this is an ambassador that makes sense for us. Um, and you know, the weirdest aspect of the character, the virtual character is mm-hmm. that the people who are in charge of it, um, I've made these attempts to like imbue her with a personality or with values. Mm. Like she, oh, she aligns. Yeah. She aligns around, uh, you know, progressive causes. I and see. So, I see. Michaela is a liberal. <laughs> yeah. Well, pack on, pack on. And, uh, yeah. Uh, to the extent okay. that she can be. <laughs> right, uh, right. Right. Yeah. But, but pack on in, in announcing this was like, yeah, she aligns with what our audience cares about. You think Gen Z is very cause oriented. Mm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so that was their kind of justification for it, but it is, it is one of those ideas where it's hard to tell the general the the, the level of interest that's genuine versus the novelty component. Novelty component, like, and I guess to your point, Peter, time will tell. I mean, to some extent, Michaela is is. is well, let me just play devil's advocate on myself, which is to say that you know she'll she'll show up on time. She'll do exactly what you tell her to do, <laughs> you know. So she's not going to at least you know have these sort of. I guess you would call celebrity missteps per se that are like accidental. So you're getting a kind of secure, <laughs> right? I mean, yeah. And, and you know, as much loyalty as whoever's partnering. Whoever's willing to pay. Yeah. <laughs> for uh, how long? It, you you do mitigate some of the, you know, influencer marketing has always been popular or not, I shouldn't say always been. It's been popular as long as social media has been around. Uh, and as you noted, you know, it is a, it continues to be a risky strategy. You never mm-hmm. know when one of these people in real life is going to put their foot in their mouth or, you know, uh, switch to another brand, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, which is not to say that Michaela's uh, idea that doesn't have any risk associated with it. Um, I think, uh, you know, I think uh, there was some controversy surrounding her. Like the idea that she has politics has drawn backlash. Like, it feels cynical to some people to say a virtual avatar supports Black Lives Matter or whatever. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, it's not a risk-free strategy, but it, I think your point about it being one that sort of mitigates some of the influencer risks might be a salient one. Let's jump to the phone lines. Kane from Oklahoma City. Uh, do you have any thoughts on Michaela? Uh, what, what, what do you think? What, what do you, what, what's your perspective? Well, just like you were saying, I agree you were talking about, you know, web. 3.0, the metaverse, it's becoming really popular, mm-hmm. but not to get too conspiracy theory, but I mean, I kind of view some of these things, it's just kind of a distraction for everyone's in the TikTok, they don't know what's going on. Uh-oh, uh-huh, uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That, so that's kind of so, what, what I see some of these some of these projects as, in, in my opinion. And so, so what should we be as a society, Kane? What should we be doing to make sure things don't get so sideways with respect to these distractions? Do you have any thoughts on that? No, you can't. I'm going to be real cynical. <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> it's going to be what it is. Unbelievable. Yeah, this is this. The world is changing. The world is changing. Thanks for that call, Kane. Yes, I, you know, I want to know because I have an 11 year old daughter, Peter, and, you know, the metaverse, Web 3.0 is going to be interesting. And, you know, this is all this stuff is going to, it's, it's, it's kind of like it's an, it's an, it's an empty beach 
And who's going to make the first footprints on this empty beach? You know what I'm saying? So this whole world of like influencers, products, experiences that exist, not in some physical location, but somewhere else is going to be seriously what marketers are focused on and thinking about. What is, do you share that perspective, Peter? It has continued to yeah, be, be one of the things people like touting is new. Uh, it's a lot of hype. Um, like you said, who's going to make the first like real impression? Um, you look at like the big platforms championing this stuff, like mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Meta, Facebook. Yep. Um, you know, have have they been able to get this stuff to be adopted at scale? Uh, no, not really. Uh, <laughs> and Zuckerberg, Zuckerberg, Zuckerberg has copped to that fact. He said that this won't be realized for years, and it's a costly investment up front. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people have naysayed him before and been very wrong. Very wrong. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I do think that if you look at other recent trends, the you know, for example, everyone the, the pandemic with like brick and mortar retail. Mm-hmm. Everyone was like, "Oh, that's you know, brick and mortar retail is it's, it was already going through a really rough run of like bankruptcies and stuff, and now this is just kind of like the fell nail in the coffin." Mm. It's had a really strong bounce back. Mm-hmm. Uh, this year while e-commerce has slowed down a lot yep mm-hmm. um and i think people maybe undervalue uh the reality component uh, right I, especially after the past two years i think people really want that in-person connection and experience again um and I do wonder uh, whether that affects kind of like the, the broader idea of the metaverse and stuff like that. Like, I, I, I think that there's some risk uh, in the idea of everything being virtual. Yeah. And people might not be that into that idea in the long term. Very, very interesting stuff. Peter Adams, Senior Reporter for Marketing Dive. Thank you so much for doing your fantastic journalistic work. Um, and thank you very much for joining us today. Where can listeners go to keep up with you? Uh, sure. You can check out our website, marketingdive.com. Uh, we've got live content on the site every day, but you can also subscribe to our email newsletter, which goes out daily. Uh, or you can follow me on Twitter at patchadams 3 At patchadams 3 marketingdive.com. Listeners, we're going to take a short break. When we're back, I'll talk to the chief marketing officer for Bloomin' Brands, which owns the Outback Steakhouse, among others. This is Marketing Matters Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School, Sirius XM Channel 132.